Hi, everyone, and welcome to Where Faith Grows. I'm your host, Laura Lambert. Every episode, I sit down with a friend, some old and some new, and we explore areas of our lives where we can let faith thrive and flourish. I'm so happy you're joining me here today. Let's find out together where faith can grow. and welcome back to Where Faith Grows. This week, I had the opportunity to chat with Sarah Littlefield. Sarah became a member of Heartbeat International's Ministry Services team in June 2018. Prior to her work with Heartbeat, Sarah served as the director of the Abortion Pill Reversal Program, now known as the Abortion Pill Rescue Network, and was overjoyed to be able to witness its transition into the capable hands of Heartbeat. She has firsthand experience working in pregnancy help organizations as a client services manager, event and volunteer coordinator, and sexual integrity educator. Sarah graduated from Franciscan University with a bachelor's degree in social work. She's lived in five cities in six years, but has since returned to her San Diego hometown where she continues in pregnancy help efforts. This episode is so, so amazing. Sarah shares her story with such honesty. She talks with incredible wisdom about her plans for her life, God's plans for her life, and ultimately discovering the realization that this is better. I'm giving you air quotes when I say this is better because you just have to hear Sarah's own words when she talks about embracing God's plans for her life, goals, and passions. We talk about brokenness, plans, goals, passions, dreams, and ultimately loving ourselves. It is a great one, friends. So without further ado, here's my chat with the amazing Sarah Littlefield. Hello, Sarah. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you. So I know a lot about you, or at least a little bit about you from meeting you, but to tell the listeners, we met in January for the first time through my dad, which is kind of funny. We <laughs> we're around the same age, <laughs> but you work a little bit in the same field as my dad does. So start off by just telling people about you, about yourself. Sure. So you're right. I met your dad. We work. We both work for Heartbeat International. We're part of the ministry services team. I found myself working in the pregnancy help movement right out of college and was really excited about it because it was the first time that I felt like I was doing what I was supposed to do. So that was really exciting. Um, I little fun fact, I've lived in five cities in six years, but I have settled back. Yeah. Settled back in San Diego (laughs) where I was born and raised. Um, But yeah, I've had a lot of different experiences, different cities to enjoy, to explore, um, and really ultimately just letting God take me where he wants to take me. And oftentimes it is not where I expect. Actually, all the time, it is not where I expect, but it's better. (laughs) What's like the weirdest place you've lived? Well, not weirdest, but what's the most unexpected place you have lived so far? Well, those are two different questions, actually. If you ask me about about the weirdest place, it would be Humboldt, California, Eureka area, which is like very Northern California, Redwoods. Um, granola it, to give you granola an land. to give you an idea. <laughs> it is four hours away from San Francisco, so it's like way up in there. But it's so oh, wow. beautiful. I mean, the terrain is unbelievable. One of the most beautiful places I've ever lived. But it's a small town feel, so it's a very interesting place to be. That's probably the weirdest place I've lived. 
um, the most unexpected place that I've lived, I would probably say Chicago, Illinois, right out of high school because it wasn't my plan. I did not plan to move to Chicago, but things changed and I ended up moving in with my grandpa after my grandma passed. And that was a very unexpected move, but a wonderful (laughs) move in itself. So I feel like that's a whole nother thing I would love to ask you about, but we're not going to do that right now. (laughs) We'll put a pin in that. And if we have time, I want to know more about that. (laughs) You got Um, it. Tell everybody just kind of about your current season of life. Like what's been going on with Sarah lately? I mean, all of us have such a different answer with COVID right now. I mean, I feel like the Sarah that's sitting in this chair talking to you right now is not the Sarah (laughs) that I thought 2020 would offer. But I think we all kind of (laughs) feel like that a little bit. I feel like I'm kind of getting to know Sarah in the midst of all of this. Like, who is Sarah in a pandemic? Who knows? I don't know. Who is Sarah Um, locked in her apartment (laughs) all the time? I don't know. Um, But you know what? It's I I find that this year has been um, really, while challenging, good because it helps us to hold a mirror up to ourselves, right? Like we're seeing ourselves for who we are. Who are we when we're alone with our thoughts? Who are we when we don't get to distract ourselves with all of the events and activities that we like to do or people that we like to see. Um, And so it's a good thing. It's not an easy thing, but it's a good thing. I'm one of those weird conundrums where I'm technically an introvert, but I am very extroverted in the way that I interact. So in some ways, it's been very natural and comforting to be in my own apartment by myself. But in other ways, it's been challenging because there's there's life that comes when I do have those relationships and build those relationships. So having to find new ways to do that is... Um, a very challenging thing, I think, for all of us. But that's just in a nutshell. Yes. Sarah and pandemic. <laughs> that is pandemic, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last getting to know you kind of question here then. Tell everyone kind of like your journey to this point. That's a huge question. But basically, just give us like a brief overview of your last few years. Like, what has life been like? How have you gotten to this point? You can share a little bit of your testimony if you want. Just give us a little bit, a little bit back. Sure. (laughs) Well, I'll bring you, I won't go into like the whole long story, but to give you some (laughs) pinpoints that are important to me. um, I came to know Jesus in a very personal way when I was 16. And I count that a blessing because that means that I've had so many years of my life knowing him very well, knowing how loved I am, knowing how much he cares for me and wants good things for me. I mean, to know that from a young age is just such a blessing. So that was me at 16 and that really carried with me. The question was always, well, how long is this going to last? And I'm 30 now. So I'd say it's probably going to (laughs) stick. It's probably going to stick at this point. (laughs) I'd say, I'd say there's a good chance that it's going to stick, but that really, it really helped to guide the next not even decisions, but just the way that I allowed myself to be guided. Because at the at 16, I was ready to make all of these decisions for myself. Where am I going to go to college? What do I want to do? What do I want to study? And so at 16, to have your life really transformed to point towards someone else who has better plans for you, um, you, auto, you kind of stop making plans. You just kind of let yeah. yourself be led. And so from that, that's where I really started to see, you know, the five cities in six years that started when I turned 18. <laughs> Um, that led to three colleges, three changes in majors. I still graduated in four years with my degree in social work. Um, and from that, I learned a lot more what I didn't want to do than what I did want to do, which was a challenge in itself. But ultimately, God was leading me ever closer to this plan that he had for me and the talents that he wanted me to use 
um, the passions that he put in my heart at a young age. And so ultimately that heart for people or really that heart for women um, sprang forth in the form of jobs in the pregnancy help movement. And so while it started with a job, it's now really revealed itself as a calling. And so Mm. I've been working in that pregnancy help movement since 2013, Um, have had so many different hats to wear from teaching in schools (laughs) to coordinating volunteers, planning events, counseling clients, and um, you've done ultimately it all. <laughs> now. I know. Ultimately, now I'm working with startup pregnancy centers, which is not what I planned at all. But it's so perfect for me, and I couldn't have planned yeah. that at all. God knew exactly how He wanted to use me. So um, that's just Sarah in a nutshell. Just what's led me to this point here and now. I feel like you've had a wild ride so far, and we're gonna have to touch base with you again in a couple of years. <laughs> and see, yeah. Like, who knows? You're gonna be like, hey, remember that time I told you what I was doing a few years ago? Well, guess what? <laughs> yeah, it's I stopped making nuts. plans. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll get into that. But yeah, I, I learned a long time ago to stop <laughs> making plans because God's always going to have something better up his sleeve. So just kind of let him let him do it. I love that you just said that because that's like the perfect segue because that is, for everyone listening, that's kind of our whole topic today. We're going to talk about God's plans versus our plan. And you have a lot to say about that, which is why I'm really excited to <laughs> dive in. Um, just to give everybody a little bit of insight when, so any, this is like actually a little bit peeking behind the curtain of this podcast, but for everyone listening, I send out a form to everyone who wants to be a guest on the show and have them kind of fill out a little bit about themselves. And then that helps me kind of guide where the episode is going to go. Well, when Sarah filled hers out, she talked a lot about God's plans, but she kept using this phrase that when God was making his plan, even when it wasn't what she wanted, she always knew this was better. So I literally have written on my paper right here, this is better. And that's like pretty much our theme. (laughs) And so I'm excited to dive into that because I loved that you said that. And that's just not an easy thing to learn in life, I think. Mm -hmm. And also I'm still learning it. So maybe you'll give Mm -hmm. me some (laughs) good pointers from your experience. So let's dive into it. Tell everybody what plans did you make for your life? Not necessarily the ones that happened, but like, what were your, what were Sarah's big plans? Well, I am a good Christian woman who is 30 years old. So (laughs) I was going to be married with a gaggle of kids by now. That was the plan. And I was going to be so good at it. I mean, oh my gosh, you wouldn't even believe the, the narratives of motherhood that I had in my head. And not to say that I don't have those dreams or desires anymore, but it was really easy to bottle up this idea of who I needed to be to be fulfilled because that's what Christian women do. And yes. you, you knew women who weren't married and in, even into their 30s and you thought, man, that must be so hard for them. I hope that's not me. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm speaking for myself, but I, no, I I'm know, probably I know not. Feeling. And now I'm that 30 year old woman, and <laughs> Some this is better. Looking at you like, <laughs> I know, I know. I, I'm literally like 20 year old Sarah's looking at 30 year old Sarah, and she's like, <laughs> I don't know. Tisk, tisk. I know, but, and I think we, if we're honest with ourselves, I, I don't, like, we wouldn't want to say that out loud. I don't think we'd ever say that out loud. But if I'm right. honest with myself, I know that was my attitude. And, and really yeah. that, if you look at that closer, the seed of that was pride, that I had created this plan 
so perfectly that I literally had written it up. It wasn't even a draft anymore. It was final edition on silver platter. God, I need your signature here. And then we can get this going. Like we are ready to rock and roll. And, and I had this moment. I can't, I can't remember how old I was. It was definitely like later twenties. And I was, oh no, I remember I was sitting in a church and (laughs) it was right around Christmas, which is the worst time to be single, especially in your late 20s. And let me also give you some backstory. I wasn't just single. I had been single for almost 11 years at that point. Like not only was I not really single, (laughs) right? Not only was I not married, I was like nowhere near it and like had never been anywhere near it. And yet it's on my heart. I want this thing so badly. And I remember sitting in the church and just fighting back tears and asking, what am I doing wrong? Like, I have committed my entire life to you. I have, I have, you know, followed every direction that you have given me. And why won't you give me this one thing that I really not only want, but need, I need this to be fulfilled. And why are you making me wait? And the answer was really gentle, but it was really clear. And it came in the form of a follow-up question, which was, are you sure I'm the one making you wait? To which I sit up a little bit. Yeah, I sit up a little bit more and I'm like, no, I guess not. I guess I'm not sure that you're the one making me wait. But then then it becomes this kind of banter back and forth where, well, if you're not the one making me wait, then you need to do whatever you need to do in me to make me ready so that I don't have to keep myself waiting over here. Yes. A very, I'm very sassy when I talk with God. And he can handle it. Yeah, he can handle it. He made me. He knows my voice. Um, yeah. That's so perfect, yes. Yeah. So in that moment, it was it was really a challenge, but it was also... It was, it was also like a, an honest desire. Like I really do authentically want to be who God made me to be. And so in that almost sarcastic prayer of do whatever you need me to do, there was also an authenticity of do whatever you need to do because I trust you. And I also, I made one request. My one request was if you do whatever you need to do, please don't make it take very long. Like take the short (laughs) road, don't take the long (laughs) road. Yeah, like no more long game. I want the quick and dirty, like let's get this done. (laughs) And I, that, that is where I look back and I can never be mad at God with things that happened after that. Cause he can always go back and say, you said you wanted the quick version, not you the long you version. Wanted fast. Exactly. You wanted the roller coaster. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that was really a transformative moment. And, and it was transformative because what it, what it did was it forced me to look at myself rather than what is God not giving me? And mm. And I think there's so much of me, and I think this is probably true for a lot of women that want to earn what they receive. Like that is just so intrinsic to who we are. We feel this desire to merit heaven or to merit God's love or to merit a husband or to merit a family. But ultimately, those things are all gifts. And a gift in its nature is not earned, it's freely given. So, I had had this incorrect view of what I wanted next, which was marriage and a family, and had seen that as something that I had earned through years of surrender to God and sacrifice for his plan. 
those things are good in themselves, but I should be giving those freely, not with the hope of a merit-based gift, right? It should be a gift that's freely given. And that then led me to this realization that marriage is not a given. Marriage is not something that I can earn. That's a purely freely given gift. And if I, if I receive that as a merit, then I am setting myself up to take for granted the man that I'm called to marry because yeah. he's, he's what I've earned, not what I freely received. He's my prize. Exactly. And like when we kind of unravel this, it, it's so clear how unhealthy and how um, really twisted, right? Satan loves to right. twist truth. So it's, it's a truth, but it's twisted. But and this is such common thinking. Like totally. I can relate to everything you have said so far. And I got married at 22 and I can still sit there and say, I have felt these things and thought these things. Yes. Well, and the beauty is that God is bigger than even our failings. So he can shine a light on those when we let him and transform those when we invite him. The work may be really painful, but ultimately it's very freeing because it, it allows us to be free to receive what he wants to give us, which may not be what we thought we needed or wanted, but it may be so much more than what yeah. we would have ever asked for because it doesn't look how we thought it wanted, we wanted it to look. So, right. Yeah. That, I mean, that was a definitive moment and it feels in some ways trivial because it's just talking about marriage, but in some ways it's actually very defining because yeah. it had to do with my vision of myself as a person and what's fulfilling for me. So right. it's it really so transformed that. So much yeah. more than just getting married, but ultimately about, yeah, really about yourself. Right. Which, I, there's so much there that I love that you said. <laughs> like, there's just so much. <laughs> but I love the whole concept of, like, if it's, I, I loved when you, I'm not going to say this very well. I'm trying to think of how to put this in the right words. You put it in the perfect words. But you were talking <laughs> about how God gives gifts freely to us, but our gifts to God should also be freely given, not mm-hmm. with, like, the expectation of what mm-hmm. We're going to get back, which mm-hmm. love that. So mm-hmm. we know what happened with your plans. Here you are, mm-hmm. loving life, living. Yeah. But what you kind of touched a little bit on what this experience has been like, but it's clear that you felt like your plan got derailed in mm-hmm. a way <laughs> by mm-hmm. God. <laughs> mm-hmm. But what what did that like teach you about faith beyond what you were just saying about gifts? So... I like I thinking through like what that led to. Well, the short plan led to a relationship that did not end well. Um, (laughs) And that was that was painful because it was really like and I look back now and I see all of the ways that I had failed in that relationship. And ultimately, God was teaching me so much about myself in a practical way, which no one ever wants to learn things that way. No, Um, but God's mercy is bigger than our desires. So thank God for that. And and at the point of that ended relationship, it really helped me to see, again, come face to face with my pride and the ways that right. I expected of God these certain outcomes or a certain type of relationship or a certain type of marriage or a certain timeline for those things. And at the point of that, that breakup, I'll actually, changes come for me in the form of threes. So let me actually just really quickly tell you about that because after yes, that prayer, please. inviting God to um, take the take the you know quick and dirty roller coaster route, I yes. found myself <laughs> with a transformed life in less than two years. 
And in the course of three days, I had a ended relationship. My sister moved into our one bedroom apartment with her newborn baby. And I started a new job. So literally had three of the biggest stressors in my, in anyone's life happen in the course of three days. And three days, three days, 72 hours. That was what it looked like in the spring of 2018. And oh my word. For those of you, and I'm sure there's a lot of you out there, but for those of you who have had transformative moments in your life that you can pinpoint, all you can do is just keep going. Like that yes, is your you're, only you're option for the ride at that. Point. That is it. And, you know, that season of loss was also a season of gift, right? I was receiving right. these gifts and they weren't the gifts I wanted to receive, but they were the ones I needed. And it yeah, took me like a little while for to, Christmas. Right. You don't want those, <laughs> but you need them. And <laughs> it was it took me a while to be able to say thank you for those gifts. It did. I'm not going to say I left that relationship and I'm like, thank you for the lessons I've learned from this broke. No, no one does that. <laughs> Everyone's like, why me? Why did this happen? And it takes a while till we can hear the answer of, well, what do you need to work on? <laughs> so it took yeah. me a little while to hear that, to receive that. But ultimately it led me back to this like very simple self of what do I actually need? Because I had adopted all of these wants. I had adopted all of these expectations and none of them are bad things. You know, the desire to be married, the desire for children, the desire for a successful career, the desire to be financially independent. You know, all of those things are good. But how much of it do I actually need if I'm asking myself honestly to be who I am and to be brought back to my most base self. I mean, I there was an image that I very clearly had when I was praying one night. And when I say I was praying, I was like fetal position, sobbing, like snotty <laughs> tears. It was one of those nights. And I remember like having this image of like, there, there's my heart on the floor, like shattered into a million pieces. Are you happy now, God? And his response was, this is better. This is better because... Yeah, your heart's broken, but it's in my hands because you've been holding back this really hardened heart for yourself for so many years that I couldn't do anything with it, but I can work with this. Like I can work with a broken heart. I can't work with a heart that's removed from me. And that shut me up and (laughs) calmed me down. And I, at that moment, really let God do the work of fixing me because all of these other years of like disappointments or even a broken heart in some way, shape or form, I took it upon myself to fix those things. Right. I took it upon myself to heal those wounds. And here God was like, I was in a moment where I literally could do nothing with this heart. Like this thing is shattered beyond belief. I can't fix this. So you got to do something. He's like, excellent. Let me get to work. I'm ready. This is what I <laughs> wanted. This, yeah, this was the quick and dirty. Like, this is what I wanted the entire time, which then yeah. you're like, really, God, you want a broken heart? And he's like, I don't want your brokenness. Like, I don't want you to be broken. I just want you to be mine. I just want you yeah. to be with me. Oh, and yeah, let yeah. me let me show you how whole I can make you just yeah. between you and me. And that was maybe... I mean, I would say it's on par with my 16-year-old conversion. It was like, I needed that conversion as much as I did the 16-year-old conversion. And the 16-year-old conversion in some ways was easier because I was giving up things that I knew were bad for me. But my, you know, 28, 29-year-old conversion, I'm giving up things that I have wanted my entire life for the sake of what? Which is not easy. (laughs) Yeah, God's love, ultimately. So 
you know, from that comes greater gifts than what we could ask for. A lot of times it doesn't look anything like what we could have wanted, but the answer is always, this is better. And so it's a gift. It's the gift that keeps on giving because in these moments, when I'm back in a season of, I didn't see this coming, like COVID-19, I didn't see this coming, you know, all of these changes, (laughs) um, I didn't see this coming. And yet this is better because I'm his. And so it, it just, it leads to greater things than I could plan. That's for sure. Okay, friends, 2020 has been a year. (laughs) And if you're anything like me, you are ready for some holiday cheer. It's officially Christmas time, and we're celebrating here at Where Faith Grows with Christmas merch in our Etsy shop. We've got mugs, blankets, shirts, and more with the cutest holiday sayings and designs. So whether you're looking for a gift for a friend or a loved one or just something to get in the Christmas mood yourself, we have got it for you. Even better, when you shop with Where Faith Grows, you are not only supporting small business, but you're also supporting the mission of Where Faith Grows, which is to inspire and equip women to become kingdom influencers by finding their unique voice, worth, and legacy in Christ. Start shopping today by visiting Etsy.com and searching for the shop Where Faith Grows. I even have a coupon code just for you for being a friend of the show. Use code WhereFaithGrows and get 10% off your total order today. I love, again, I just love so much of what you're saying. Also, <laughs> this is a little bit of a derailing from our theme, but I lately, this is obviously not our theme at all, but you just said something that made me think about this and I can't go past it without saying it. But I've been thinking so much about just the concept of telling our testimony mm-hmm. to people. And I love the concept of telling our testimony, but I do think there's a little bit of like a problematic nature in how we have been conditioned to tell testimonies mostly because it's like, here was me before I met God, then here is my conversion, and then now I'm changed, which Mm -hmm. is true. But what you're saying right now is so much more common, which is here was me before I met God, here is when I met God, and then here's when I met God a hundred times after that Mm -hmm. (laughs) and continued to change and Mm -hmm. grow. And I, I think that that is the mark of a true testimony is how many conversion stories are we all going to to go through Mm -hmm. (laughs) to get to where we are. And I think that Mm -hmm. that's just like a beautiful reality of a real life walk with Christ, which is, Mm -hmm. it is not, I met God once and now I am changed. It is, Mm -hmm. I continue to meet him at every crossroads in my life and continue Mm -hmm. to be changed. Mm -hmm. And that's just beautiful. Well, thank you. And you, no, I'm with you. I mean, I think that that's the key. And that's, that's why I can mark it with pride because pride tells right. us that we're changed enough and we can receive everything that we want to receive because, and that's like the Santa Claus Christian, right? Like we go to, we go to yeah. Santa Claus to ask for the gifts that we think we've earned all year long, but really nothing's earned. Everything is freely given. Like that's the trick. Yeah. It's not, I am saved, so I'm good. It is, right. I continue to be saved every day. And yeah. so like, look at what happens. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's it. I, Sorry for the derailment, but I just loved that you said that. And it made me think about that. Um, I appreciate it. (laughs) Little little side note from my brain there. Um, Okay, so you're kind of on the other side a little bit of that Mm -hmm. crazy season. I mean, you're still experiencing some crazy in life, but, (laughs) you you know, aren't we all? (laughs) Yeah. um, You're a little bit on the other side. So do you, 
and you already touched on this a little bit, but I just want to hear you expand on it. Do you indeed look back and think that all of it was better than what you had planned? You know, it's funny because there there were moments that I sat there. I'm like, did I have to go through this way to learn yeah. that lesson? <laughs> and I I think the answer in, is no. I think God can work with us at whatever stage in what whenever our yes comes, He can answer. Sure. He's working. When we show we're, up, He's ready. <laughs> right, we're co-creators, right? Like it's not predestination. We're not like living out this life that is in right. front of us that we have no. Free will is a thing, people. <laughs> it is very real. It is very but real. <laughs> the beauty of free will is that it is never bigger than God's mercy. Like that, that's the story of Genesis, that even when we used our free will to separate ourselves from him, he didn't want to be apart from us. So he found a way, he, he made a way really for us to be with him. And then that comes to fruition in the New Testament when we come to know Jesus and that's where we are now. Like, that's our current story, that we get to be with God as long as we place ourselves in his hands. But he is not going to force our, force us into his hands. He's only going to constantly invite us there. So that's that's the challenge, is that we can make ourselves believe, and maybe I should say, I, I was able to make myself believe that I was in God's hands when really right. I was in my own. And, yeah. you know, you could follow that rabbit Whole, as far down as you want to go, but a long I think, way. <laughs> but I think that's that's that is the challenge, but also the grace of free will, and it gives me much more freedom in this season where I'm not as afraid of make, taking a misstep because um, I do because I'm human and we all do. Oh, but yeah. on the other side of that misstep is the opportunity to re- like course correct and then realign ourselves to the one who's leading. But right. he's not going to like, like he waits for us like on that road. It's not like, oh man, you're like miles away. You better catch up to me. No, like prodigal son, he's running out to that kid. Like he is right. making a way for him to come home. And that, that to me is something that is easy to lose sight of if we begin to think we're earning God's love. Because right. how do you earn something like that? You just can't. There's no way. You can you will never. And, no. and I also think that I don't, I don't know, I don't know where this gets mixed up, but I think so many of us also have the internal dialogue and thinking that if we make the quote unquote wrong decision, then we're on some divergent path that, yeah. that you just can't get back to the right path, quote unquote, mm-hmm. I'm doing air quotes. Um, but the reality is more like what you're saying. I mean, God will continue to course correct and continue to plan new greatness for us right. regardless because right. it's a gift. Right. And so, yes, the course correction is always there. But having that, I mean, I know I've had that thinking of just being paralyzed in fear of, oh, but what if I make the wrong decision? What if I'm going down the wrong mm-hmm. path? And I just think that even just that statement of the wrong path is just it's not a good place to go mentally because yes, there are bad decisions, but there is no wrong path. God is right there with you on the path. Right, right. Well, and the path that leads to heaven is ultimately a path that leads to heaven. So I mean, as long as it's it's coming back to the one who made us. And I think the more we practice that, the more we we seek to hear his voice, the more that we, um, you know, check in with him. But I think, you know, after, you know, in those, in those days and weeks and months of 
really a season of loss, like losing all of these plans that I had made for myself. I constantly challenged God wanting a new plan. Well, what do you want me to do then? Where do you want me to go? How do you want this to look? And he didn't want me to make a step. He just wanted me to be with him. And that was like the right. most important lesson for me because I had spent my entire life making plans. But really, he didn't he didn't care about the plan. He just cared about the relationship. And so when oh, we wow, get yeah. hung up, yeah, when we get hung up on these paths, you know, do I go down this path, this path, yes. this path? I think really, if we look at that, it's more like a plan that we're wanting to control. I should yeah. say me. I keep saying we. I'm talking for me. No, I don't. You're talking for me too. I feel this. <laughs> and and I think the simplicity. It's the more the closer look I take at the gospel, the closer look I take at scripture. The simpler the answer is, and it's it always comes back to Jesus choosing to be with the broken people. Always. Yeah. That's who He chose to be with, and. Yeah. And, and no, no one wants to be broken. But I know for me, like those moments of intimacy that I have known Christ more, it's because I, I finally took this facade off of like, here's my perfect self ready to give to you so I can receive what I want. And I think the challenge is that we're, we are broken. Like that is just who we are in this world. We're not meant to be here forever in this mm-hmm. state, we're me- we're meant to be with him perfectly in heaven forever, and running from our brokenness is really denying a part of who we are. And I know I know that that's a challenging thing to hear, and I I can just imagine the comments coming from this because it can be misconstrued in a number <laughs> the of ways. Section's gonna be wild. <laughs> oh my gosh! I because I, I know I know that I like disdained my own brokenness. I mean, we, I think that's just, we all do. Who wants to be fallen? Who wants to be broken? And, and yet what I was challenged by was that the only one who was shying away from my brokenness was me. The only one. So well said. The only one who couldn't look in the mirror at how hurt I was or wounded I was, whether that's because of my decisions or decisions that were made about me. The only one who didn't want to look at that face-to-face was me. God was not shying away from that brokenness. He wasn't, he wasn't scared of it. He wasn't angry about it. His only reason for shining a light on it was so that I could see who he had made me to be, which was completely whole in him. And, and I think that that's the lesson that I've taken from these, these you know, continuous conversions, if you want to call that, right? Yes. <laughs> constantly converting ourselves to be more and more like him. And if you want to pray a challenging prayer, you pray the prayer, Jesus, let me love like you. Because yeah. let me tell you, <laughs> you will love in a way that you have never loved before. And it will challenge you to your core. be very uncomfortable. <laughs> every day, every day for the rest of your life, it will be. But what greater purpose than to yeah. be here and to love the way that Christ loved his broken, wonderful people. So, yeah. I mean, those, uh, it's funny that you're bringing this part about brokenness up because I literally just wrote a post that is coming out later this week that is all about that because I was, I mean, I was actually talking with my dad about this, who you know, and we were thinking about the unlikely heroes of the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's like, they're all just so broken. And we look at them and we put them on these pedestals and call them 
Bible heroes or Bible characters. And we forget that they were just like really broken people. (laughs) And you're, I love when you said the only person shying away from my brokenness was me, because isn't that just like the common thread of every person in the Bible who was used as a hero? They shied away from their own brokenness. Then they didn't. And look at what they were able to do in the world. And it's, it's the same with us. And if we shy away from our brokenness, we're only kidding ourselves because that's not attractive to other people either. Like the people that we're trying to reach, those people, if they see us broken and real, they say like, oh, that's a crowd I can fit in with. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I just jumped around a lot in that little statement, but you gave me a lot. No, it's true. It's all practical. (laughs) I mean, at the end of the day, how we experience God is how we are going to share him with other people. And knowing myself as a broken follower of Christ, it helps me to sit toe-to-toe with women or with friends or family members and realize I could be you. Heck, I am you. Like, I am you in the way that I'm broken differently, but we all are. And if I'm able to look at my own brokenness through the lens of how much Christ loves me, even in the midst of that, then... I can offer that to other people. And that's that's the answer to the prayer. Jesus help me to love like you love. I can't yeah. I can't yeah. offer that if I haven't received it. Yeah. Yes. Just yes. All of it yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We are almost out of time, but I have two more questions to ask you. Okay. One is what like practical tips do you have for other women who are in that place that you were in that night where you were in the fetal position on the floor? <laughs> Feeling shattered. What is your, oh, man. how How do the, what's their next step? What would you say to them now that you're a little beyond that state? Man, that is a hard one because the answer for them is going to be so different because, because we're all so different. Yeah. And that's very true. I think the, 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 let yourself be loved first. Like, we have so much love to offer. And I think that was one area that I struggled was I have all this love that I just want to give to my family, to my <laughs> husband, to my kids. Like what, why are we wasting this? And, hmm. and ultimately God is saying, I'm, you're not wasting an ounce of that love. Like don't hold it back. Like give it to me. Let me use that love how I want to yeah. use it. And it's not going to deplete. <laughs> no, not at all. It only multiplies. Like that's the story of the loaves and the fishes. Like you, we can't pour out more love than we have, it's just not possible. Like We are created in the image of God. So we've got a lot of love to give. And I think that looking for the ways to be loved by God opens up ways for us to love more. So the challenge for me wasn't to look for more ways to go and give to people or to volunteer or to, you know, do all of these things. It was really more of a challenge for me to just be with him and to let him love me mm-hmm. first. Because if I let him love me first, then I have a better idea of how I need to be loved in a marriage or yeah. how I need to love my spouse in a marriage because that's really what it's supposed to be mirroring. So my challenge to you, if you are like me, would be to let yourself be loved and let yourself be loved super duper well because that's only going to serve that's awesome. you. Love that. I feel like I said that a lot this episode. (laughs) Okay, I actually lied. I said I had two more questions, but actually now I have two more questions. But this one's a quick one. How can we, me and everyone listening, how can we support you in your mission with you? I called them crisis pregnancy centers. Is that an outdated term? 
That is an outdated term. So that's really the term that was used right when they became um, popular, like right post um, Roe yeah. v. Wade. Um, today, we call them pregnancy yeah, I'm, I'm help centers. <laughs> and that's okay. okay well, I that think makes that's more a, sense. It's, it's a common term. But today, um, we understand them as being pregnancy help centers. That's what they are. Yeah. So we are there to support and to help pregnant women. Um, okay. You know, not every woman that's walking in that door is going to be in the midst of a crisis. There might be that's some that are, true. but... There are a lot of women that come in who might just need some parenting classes or some material sure. assistance or maybe just someone to talk to in the midst of that pregnancy. So I think in it is more inclusive. You know, we really understand our yeah. clientele I, and who's I walking like in the that. door. You can tell that I'm the daughter of a man who has been in this ministry for a very long time when I use that. Absolutely. <laughs> and you know what? That just shows how long you've been in this movement. So that's It's amazing. been a long time. It's been a long time. <laughs> um, so how can we support you in, in your work doing that? Like what would be, if someone is hearing what you do and they're like, wow, that's super interesting. What's something, what's like an easy point of entry? What can they do to help? Well, knowing who your nearest pregnancy help center is, is going to be great because that's a tool or a resource in your tool belt that you can share with your community. So um, I'll share the link with you so that you can put it in the um, comment section. But if you go to option line, uh, there is that is a 24 seven hotline that women can call and get connected to the closest pregnancy center to them. And that option line will show you who are the closest pregnancy centers to you because I'm sure that they have a need, whether it's prayer, volunteering, finances. But again, even just being a referral source, you know where to send these women if they're in need. That's a great place to start. I know the one near us is always asking for like diapers. That's a super easy one. Just like buy a pack of diapers and go drop it off. (laughs) Totally. Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. And yeah, send me that link and we'll put it in the show notes for everybody. We'll do. But... A fun one to wrap up. I ask this of every single guest, and I love doing this mostly because it just gives me new things to purchase that I don't need. But tell me about three things you're loving right now. So they could be like a product. It could be just like a thing in your life. It doesn't have to be a physical, tangible thing, but it can be. A lot of people do physical, tangible things. But three things that you love right now. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I don't know why the first thing that came to mind is I am like an iced tea drinker, but I don't like it sweetened. I'm not from the South. I'm from California. So I am a weirdo. But for all of those non-sweet tea drinking people, Tajava is like the best thing in the world. You can, It's $1.50 a bottle, but like a really big bottle. And it's like at grocery stores, super easy. It is amazing. I always have it in my fridge because I'm too lazy to make tea myself. Um, well, it's kind of a process to make tea, to be real. It can be, for sure. Waiting. For sure. So that's one. Um, fun little toy that I got myself uh, during Prime, uh, the Prime deals. There oh, yeah. is this thing called Casa, where you can buy these. Yeah, I've I know. This. I'm you excited can buy <laughs> these plugs that you plug into the wall that connect to your Alexa. So I'm, I have my Alexa. Don't, I know I'm super high tech. I don't know what to tell you. We have two, um, so we get I it. do too. And I live in a studio. Why do I have two Alexas? But I do. Because <laughs> you have to have one in your bathroom, obviously. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I have two Alexas, <laughs> but these Casa plugs connect to your Alexa. So I actually plug them in and then my living room lights are connected to it. So when I walk in the door, I can say, Alexa, turn on the lights and my lights turn on. And it's the most amazing thing in the world. And then when I'm lazy in bed and I don't want to get up to turn off my lights, guess what? Alexa, turn off the lights. It's done. So yeah, Casa's little plugs. I think I got four of them for like 25 bucks and I only needed to use like two of them. So they are a great bang for your buck if you already have an Alexa. Go for that. 
Um, That's great. Number three would probably be candles. That is like my number one way to like self-care. If I am stressed out, I just need to light a candle. So I've got candles everywhere in my house. They are rotating by season. So right now it's fall. It's everything pumpkin, everything autumn. I can't wait for Christmas because it'll be everything like pine. But yeah, have (laughs) have a candle. I know (laughs) it's true. Um, So I would say like I'm looking at my candle on my desk right now. Like I have candles everywhere. So it is like the cheapest way to self-care in the midst of COVID. So go buy yourself a candle if you don't already have 20 because you know I do. Yes. We have a bunch. And also, if you're really wondering what people are going to come for you in the comments section about, it's going to be that you said when Christmas is here. Because it's <laughs> November. <laughs> I know. Third. I know. We Christmas. talked about this. We talked about this. But I grew up in a family where we drove to Thanksgiving dinner at my grandparents' house about two hours away. And on the drive home, that's when we put in our first Christmas oh. cassette. So like Christmas started on the drive home from Thanksgiving. So Which, since my grandparents have passed, sweet. it's now Christmas starts when we're doing Thanksgiving dishes. So that's just, it's, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I want to put a Christmas tree up in my room so bad right now, but I will like <laughs> hold it down. But, but we'll see. We'll see I how long I make is- it. I love that tradition. That's something very sweet. We, on the other hand, well, you know my dad, so you know him. My dad is mm-hmm. obsessed with Hallmark Christmas movies, which we kind of mm-hmm. all are, but he's the chieftain of Hallmark Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. We watched our first Hallmark Christmas movie premiere on October 28th. That's it was Halloween still. <laughs> <laughs> that is upsettingly early. So. But you know what? Everything's out the window in COVID. Like, people were yeah, putting we're Christmas lights up in July. Yeah, exactly. Do what you yeah. need to do to keep your sanity. <laughs> if that means Christmas tree is up in September, more power to you. You go for that. Yeah, we're just all trying to live this year, so it's fine. That's true. We're going to make it, everyone. We're going to make it. We are. <laughs> on that note, thank you. For being on yeah. The show. Thanks for having me. It was great to be here. It was a blast. Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your story today. What an honor it is to have gotten to connect with you this year and just get to know you. I love your story so much. I love that you're so real about your plans for your life, and I love your heart to embrace the plans God has for you in every aspect of your life. I loved when Sarah said, the only one who was shying away from my brokenness was me. That comment just gets me more and more each time I think about it. (laughs) Isn't this just so true of us all? We're so ashamed of our brokenness. We shy away from it. We hide it behind walls of perfection, even within our own church communities sometimes. And yet, when we let those walls down and we own our own brokenness before God and our neighbors, we often find that we were the only ones worried about it to begin with. Owning who we are as fallen individuals is the best way to invite real community to flourish, real growth in our faith to take place, and real relationships to take us further than we could have ever imagined. Sarah, thank you so much for that amazing thought today. For everyone listening, I can't wait to see you back here next time. Today's show music was created by Nick Petrov. Additional music and editing are by Aaron Trimble. And show notes are by yours truly. Thanks for listening. Thanks again for joining me, everyone. If you love Where Faith Grows, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and give it a thumbs up. 
I sure am glad to have you join me in this space where we can explore faith and all the places it grows together. Have a wonderful week, friends. I'll see you next time on Where Faith Grows.